he couldn't fall back asleep. He tried tossing and turning in, in different positions, but nothing seemed to work. So he picked up his phone and, and scrolled on the internet a little bit, even playing some Scrabble, and then finally got to looking up random facts on the internet. Did you know that if you cut off the head of a sea slug, that its entire body will grow back? If you're watching live online, I invite you to put your favorite random fact in the chat. But here, King Nebuchadnezzar was, was, had this dream on his mind that he couldn't fall back to sleep. But he was the king, so, so he could get this figured out. And, and finally, eventually, he, he decided to call his advisors. And, and he called them to his room, and, and groggily, the, the advisors come before him. I'm sure they were a little bit nervous, because if a king calls you abruptly, probably in the middle of the night, you're going to be a little bit scared. The king looks at them and tells me, you know what, I need you to tell me the meaning of my dream. But here's the catch. I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. You have to tell me that too. Oh yeah, and if you can't tell me, I'm going to have you ripped apart and your house is going to be burned to the ground. The advisors would have known that the king wasn't joking and they looking at each other, not sure quite what next to do. Finally, one moves forward and says, can, can you give us a hint? Give us a little bit of help so that we can figure this out. And the king says again, no, you need to tell me what my dream was and what it meant. That's, that's impossible, they exclaim. Nobody can do that except a god. And I don't know if you've seen us before. You, you know us a little bit that we're pretty great people, but we're not gods. The king's furious. He's not used to being told no. So he orders not only their execution, but the execution of all the wise men in the land. Daniel receives a, a knock on the door a couple hours later, not knowing what was going on because he wasn't even invited into this, this room of people. The, it's explained to him that he is sentenced to death because of the king's request and because of the advisors not being able to fulfill this impossible request. Daniel decides to take matters kind of into his own hands and goes up to the king and says, you know what, give me a little bit of time and I'll get the answer for you. The king realized that unlike the other ad advisors, that Daniel was, was trying to actually help the king. He wasn't trying to weasel his way out of it and, and possibly run away if, if the king gave him more time, but Daniel was actually trying to receive, hear the dream and then to be able to interpret the dream for the king. So Daniel goes home and, and invites his other uh, wise men friends to uh, pray about this. And, and they pray earnestly. Now, I don't think they had to convince themselves to pray earnestly because their lives were on the line. But God delivers. God gives Daniel this vision of, of what the king dreamed and its meaning. Before going and solving the problem and getting it fixed, Daniel stops and praises God probably coming up with his, his own praise songs, but maybe he was even a, a popular, some praise lyrics or things that he knew at the time to, to thank God before he stepped and went to the king. And as he goes to the king, he explains the, the dream to the king. He says, you had a, there's a dream of a statue and it had four different medals from top to bottom and, and the top medal was gold and that represents your kingdom. And as you go down the statue, it represents different kingdoms of the earth. But eventually there's a rock that's going to come that's going to destroy these kingdoms into chaff. They're blown away into nothing, but that rock will become a mountain and fill the earth. And that is God's kingdom. 
The earth is excited, not only that he's the, 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 the gold head, the, the king of this statue, but also that Daniel is able to interpret his dream. So he rewards Daniel. And not only does he reward Daniel, he praises Daniel's God. This is the story of Daniel 2 in kind of my own words. I ad-libbed a little bit here. Like, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar knew anything about sea slugs. Uh, but uh, we're going to go into a little bit more detail about the different parts of it. But this is the overarching story of Daniel 2. We are in a series about standing out as we look through the book of Daniel in our Bible. Daniel was somebody who was taken into, into slavery, into exile, but instead of having a meaningless task, he was seen that he had some promise, some wisdom, so he was put in the chief advisors of the kingdom and being trained to be one of the wise men. And we're going to see in Daniel, like in, in this chapter of Daniel, like a lot of chapters of Daniel, we're going to see that trouble will come. But even when trouble comes, God is going to guide Daniel because he is in control, even in the most dire circumstances. So as we look at the start of Daniel 2, you can see as most stories start, there's tension. And the tension starts with King Nebuchadnezzar. And if the king of the most evil empire in history is having a bad day, it's probably not going to just stop with him. And he invites uh, the sorcerers, the magicians, the astrologers. Uh, these are people that had some kind of magical ability connected with their name. They should have had these supernatural powers. Because the king is inviting them into something that will take something that is beyond human, beyond their natural ability. And he asked them to do those things that I mentioned earlier. Not only to interpret this dream that was disturbing him, but also to tell him what his dream was. Because he didn't completely trust them, that they weren't just making up the dream. He wanted a, a divine meaning, something that he knew was real. The, the astrologers stepped up and, and, and said, well, this is impossible. You need to tell us the dream. They're faced with this problem that they didn't have the resources to fix. The same thing can happen in our lives that we can feel like, like we don't have enough resources to face the situations in our lives. Maybe a car breaks down and we don't have the money to, to pay for it, plus all the bills that we also have. A loved one gets sick and we don't have the time to care for them and to do all the responsibilities of our job and, and everything else just keeps stacking up. We don't have the resource of the emotional capacity or, or whatever it is to, to get through the season that we're in. These uh, astrologers were, were faced with this issue and they didn't have the resources. So they, they said, we need help. We can't do this just with this amount. And the king says, no, this is what you get. They again say, okay, you, you need to tell us and you need to give us more time. But the king says, no, this is your situation. This is the problem that you are going to face. The king wasn't going to reason with them. And in verse 10 and 11 uh, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. These people who should have had some spiritual abilities, according to their names, didn't even try to appeal to their gods or, or do any ornate rituals to try to figure out the answer. They just knew that this wasn't possible that they were not going to be able to do this. 
And the king became furious because he's not used to saying, said no to. He had all the power, all the money that you can even imagine, and he got what he wanted, and he was told no. So, like a child being told no, he erupted and, and ordered that not only these people would die, but all the people in his, all the wise men in his kingdom. That's where the problem comes to Daniel, or Daniel gets in trouble. Daniel likely was still in the training to become one of these wise men. Because at the start of Daniel 2, it says that this is the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel's training program was for three years. So this is why he wasn't invited into uh, the inner court of uh, the sorcerers and enchanters in in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, because he wasn't even one of the full-fledged wise men yet. But still, he was faced with this problem. And this problem wasn't his fault. He didn't cause it to happen. It was the king made this impossible task, and, and the people he was associated with couldn't complete the task, so it became his problem. Some of our problems, too, don't become of some of what we've done. Maybe the issues in your life right now are because of what other people have done or other people have done to you. The, the situation we are with our economy and our world and the healthcare isn't directly because of, any of what any of us have done, but yet we are in these situations. Daniel showed us that it may not be our fault for the, what situations we are in, but it is our responsibility to handle the situations we are in. And that's what we're going to see with Daniel. And, and he realizes that, that he can handle his situation not because of him, but because of God. Larry Osborne, in his book about Daniel, said that when we focus on the size of our problems, we forget the size of our God. Daniel knew that his God was bigger than the problems that he faced. Because trouble comes to everyone. We're all going to face troubles at different times in our lives. And even Jesus said in John 16, 33, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Daniel knew that there was trouble brewing, that he was sentenced to death. But instead, he chose to have peace in the God that was in control, even in these difficult and dark situations. Because when trouble comes, we can stand out. And we can stand out because God will guide us. Daniel responded uh, with wisdom intact in uh, verse 13 as, as the executioner comes to his house. And he asks again to get to question the king about what's going on and to talk to him about this. So Daniel moves forward and in verse 16 it says, At this Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. He goes to the king and and he asks him, uh, I need time to, to actually answer your problem, to fix your problem. The difference between Daniel and the astrologers and the sorcerers is one that they were trying to get more time so that they could get out of it, and Daniel was wanting more time so that he could actually fix the the king's problems. And whereas the astrologers and sorcerers, they didn't even try to ask their God, Daniel had confidence that his God would answer, that his God would 
guide him. So Daniel goes back and he invites his friends uh, to pray with him. In verse 18 and 19, it says, He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Daniel pleaded with God, and he didn't first start by pleading for the answer to his problem. He, he appealed to God's character. He appealed to the mercy and goodness and love of God. He didn't say, I don't deserve to be in this. Why did you put me here? Why did you bring me from Israel to Babylon and, and put me in this situation? He just asked God to help him in his situation, whatever that looks like. And God comes through. God guides him through this supernatural vision of knowing what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was and the meaning of the dream. God, uh, Daniel knew that in his trouble, God would guide him. And he did that through speaking to him. God speaks to us today too. Especially in our troubles, especially in our difficult situations, we can hear from God. The most clear and accurate way is the Bible, that we can see his word, who he is, how he cares for us, how he loves us, and how he wants us to live. But he can also speak in other ways, whether that's through a, a loving and wise friend, but also through passions and desires and thoughts that come to us. The instance in my life where uh, it was most clear that God had spoken something supernatural to me uh, was back a few years ago. And I went to a, a pastor's retreat when I was working at a different uh, church. And earlier that day, I met uh, Mike and Lizzie Scott, who are actually pastors now at the Alder Grove Vineyard Church, just down uh, the Fraser Highway from us. I had a casual conversation with them. Uh, and then later in the evening, we were having just kind of a prayer session where the different pastors could pray for one another. A thought came to my mind. I should pray for them to be able to have a baby. This was completely random because we didn't talk about family. I didn't know if they had any kids or what was going on in their lives. I just met them, so I kind of tried to ignore the thought, but it didn't go away. So kind of, I built up the courage and, and started to walk towards Lizzie, who I saw, and uh, with heart pounding and a little bit of nerves in me, I, I said, are you and Mike trying to have a baby? She started to cry and I thought, you know, something clicked here. So I said, I'm gonna go get Mike because he was in a different room. I got Mike and brought him and I started to pray for them. What I didn't know is that a few years earlier, Mike uh, had a medical issue and he was told that it would be nearly impossible for him to have kids. So Mike and Lizzie gave up having kids. They already had two kids of their own and they just thought, okay, that's enough. That's kind of God just saying, no, no more kids. But that morning, before I prayed for Lizzie, for the first time she wrote in her journal that I think I want, I'm, it's on my heart to have more kids. But I think it's impossible. That evening, I had this thought come to me that wouldn't go away, that I would have no idea other than God speaking to me in this kind of like half sure, I'm just going to step out in faith, nerves pumping, and tell her what I kind of felt. And in that instance, I was able to hear from God and show that God cares for her. Today, Mike and Lizzie have their third child, and just showing that God 
Not only cares, not only that he speaks, but he can do miracles and, and bring a baby where doctors thought it wasn't really possible to happen. God can speak to us too. That wasn't like an audible voice where I was sure God was speaking to me. It was just kind of a thought that wouldn't go away, and I stepped out in faith. And when we're in our troubles, especially in our difficult situations, God will guide us. In James 1.5, it says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In our difficult times, when trouble comes, God will guide us. When trouble comes, God will guide us when we come to him for guidance. And the reason that he can guide us is because he is in control. See, Daniel knew that it wasn't something that he could do on his own, and it was only something God could do. So when God showed him his vision, the vision of what happened with Nebuchadnezzar, he immediately went to praising God. And in verse 20 to 23, that, that praise to God is said. It's praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. God, uh, Daniel talks about how God is wise and powerful, and, and not only that, that he is the keeper of times and seasons and kings. Even the time of, of slavery and taking from Israel and the time of the king, the evil king Nebuchadnezzar, God was still in control. And God was still in control then and he's still in control now. No matter who is in political power, no matter what pandemics are going around the world, no matter what season you're in in your personal life, God is still in control. If you're personally going through a, a storm right now, a troubling time, I invite you to, to read this praise each morning. Before you look at your phone, before you do anything else, read Daniel 2, 20 to 23. To focus yourself not on the size of your problem, but the size of your God who loves you and cares for you and will guide you in all circumstances. So Daniel praises God and then he goes to the king. And in verse 26, it says, The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? It's interesting that uh, it brings up his, his new name. If you were here last week, you would have heard that uh, Daniel, when he was taken from Israel to Babylon, they renamed him to Belshazzar. Now, when I looked up what Belshazzar means, it could mean one of two things. Uh, the first thing is Bel is the first part of it, which is one of the Babylonian gods. It could mean Bel saves or Bel reveals secrets. Now, the sorcerers and the enchanters, they might have appealed to, to Bel, but neither, none of them could save Daniel and none of them revealed a secret. It was Yahweh, the God of Israel, Jesus, who was able to save Daniel and was able to reveal the secrets. It wasn't Bel and Nebuchadnezzar is seeing that not his money, not his power, but only the God of Israel can come through. And sometimes that's true with our problems too. 
That no amount of money, no amount of security, no amount of friends, whatever it is in our lives that we can look to, only God can help us through some situations. But he is in control, so we can rely on him. In verse 27 to 29, Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. Daniel points it. He can't figure it out. It's not his doing that he'd figure out the dream, but it's the God in heaven who helps him. He is in control and he can reveal all of the secrets. Daniel then uh, shares with the king what his dream was. And it was the the statue of a a gold head that represented Babylon. And and then there was a a silver body and uh, arms and then thighs of bronze. And then it got to lower iron. And then when it got to the toes, it was iron and clay mixed together in this statue. And the statue represents different kingdoms of the world. And these different kingdoms, now looking back, we can see what came next was the the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans and the statue represents the kingdoms that will come. And and God is in control of the kingdoms that will come. He's not only in control now, he knows what will happen next. But what's important is also what happens to that statue is a rock not cut from human hands hits the feet and destroys the statue, making it turn into chaff that can be blown away by the wind. That rock would turn into a mountain that would fill the entire earth. We know today that the Babylonian empire is nothing but chaff. But God's kingdom is is not only here now, but for eternity it will grow until it fills the entire world. God is not only in control of Daniel's small situation, his, in, his small life, but also he's in control of the kingdoms and he's in control of eternity. The same is true with our lives. He's in control of our individual lives, our individual days, the individual moments where we're struggling, but he's also in control of next year and next century and the thousands and millions and billions of years after that, God is in control and we can rest in him. Nebuchadnezzar realizes in in a moment of humility, which would be hard to see a lot of the time for, for King Nebuchadnezzar. But in verse 47, he says, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. Nebuchadnezzar realizes that although he had all the power in the world, all the money in the world, he was the the, the head of gold that was surpassing the value of the other kingdoms. Even him realizes that there is a God who is far better and far more powerful and far more in control. God today is in way more control than anyone else we can look to. Whether that's a political leader whether that's Jeff Bezos, who almost has $200 billion, God is in control of everything. So, when trouble comes, God is still in control. And we can find peace 
in him. And the good thing is, is that God not only is in control, but he cares for us. That he was watching over Daniel throughout this entire situation, and he cared for Daniel, and he'll care for us. Just this last week, I was uh, running at Wilban Park, and I noticed this, this child uh, who was a little bit young to be on his own in the park, so I was, you know, just a little curious. But as I went around a bend, I saw a woman. And I thought, oh, this is probably his mother. Uh, but when I got closer, I realized that she had headphones in and her eyes were down the entire time. She didn't care about whether this child was going to get hurt or not. I immediately knew, no, this isn't his mother, without even thinking about it, without even thinking about the cues, I knew that this wasn't his mother because she wasn't showing a, a watchful eye. But for us, time and time again, especially in the book of Psalms, it said that God listens, God cares, God watches for us. So that when we face trouble, so that when we face hardship, whatever we're going through, God cares and he listens to us. Because God is in control. He will guide us. And he will help us get out of our difficult situations. Or he'll at least help us be with us when we are in our difficult situations. So, we're in this series about standing out. Uh, and uh, we can learn from Daniel that we can stand out when trouble comes. And when trouble comes, we can have peace that God is still in control. That we don't have to do more than we can do because we can rest in that he will guide us because he cares for us. If you're somebody now who's in one of those trials of your life, maybe a storm in your life, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus, you're not really sure about this whole God thing, I invite you this week. Look to God. There's situations where you may not be able to get out on your own, Invite God into them. Just as Daniel prayed earnestly for the mercy of God, you too can pray for the mercy of God to come into your life. Because he cares for you. I'm going to close with two questions. Uh, if you're watching us on our online platform on Sunday morning, you can write your answers in the chat. Uh, but if not, you can share the answers with a friend. The first question is, how has God helped you when you were in a difficult situation? The second question, when you are in a difficult situation, how can you hold on to the belief that God is in control? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are in control no matter the turmoil, no matter the storm, no matter the, the, the overwhelming uh, obstacles that we may face, that you love us and you are in control. God, I pray that, that we wouldn't turn to money, that we wouldn't turn to power, but, but primarily first we would turn to you. And we can find that you love us and you care for us. Help us to stand out in troubling times. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.